So hello and welcome to another Generation Gap podcast in lockdown, a sort of, I should call it a lockdown Generation Gap. And uh, these are the programmes where I'm uh, talking to people of other generations. I'm Clive Glover and I'm a baby boomer and I generally talk to someone who's uh, younger than myself and mainly millennials. And so this time I've got a millennial, Hannah. Hello, Hannah. Hi. And now, Hannah, we've known each other for a while because you are a volunteer at Radio Verulam and you're yes. actually very technically minded. And um, so <laughs> I've always been impressed. I mean, I suppose I shouldn't be. Obviously, women are perfectly able to be technically minded, but it's slightly unusual. Now, you're, you're at university or you should be. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've just finished my first year, actually. Yeah. And what, you, what is it you're studying? Uh, so I'm doing music production and DJ practice degree at uh, Point Blank Music School in uh, East London. Right, so that is basically, as I said, a technical course, yes. learning about all music production and so on. Mm. Um, right, so that, that sounds pretty interesting. Is it interesting to you? Yeah, definitely. It's um, the range of modules is quite because you say, like you said, it's largely technical. But I've done music industry modules, which is largely about the business. Um, I've done composition modules about writing, and alongside the mixing and the DJ modules, it's um. I'm really getting a chance to absorb a lot, which is fantastic. Yeah, we've just discovered quite a lot about the music industry and how to deal with things because um, I don't know if you've seen it. We made a video um, a few months ago. We decided we need to raise money to keep ourselves going, basically. Mm. Um, And so we made a music video. We had this brilliant idea of making a version, an emphasised version of um, Radio Gaga, the Queen song. (laughs) And so someone wrote some new lyrics for it. And then we produced it with um, multiple bits of video from different people in, in it, taking part in it and so on. And we have a fantastic singer, Natasha, who basically sang the whole thing. And she's absolutely brilliant. Um, so we mixed all this together. and We thought, great, that's fantastic. Now, we obviously had to get the rights to be able to um, yes. display this, this thing, which we thought was quite straightforward. And uh, one guy spent weeks and weeks and weeks negotiating with the, the um, copyright owner, which is a, a very large multinational company. Oh, God. Um, and, he was, and they weren't quite sure whether they could agree or not because we changed the words. So they had to refer it to members of Queen themselves for them to give it the OK. That's quite strange. Which yeah, they I did. heard that. Oh, wow. Oh, exactly. Which they did, of course, which is great. Thank you very much, Brian. Thank you very much. Um, so that was that was great. And uh, you can see that um, video on various websites. We've got it on. Um, so, yeah. Now, what happened was, of course, you were in the same situation as everybody else, but you were away. You, you were living in London and obviously going to, to the university there. Mm. And suddenly lockdown happened. So I presume you basically rushed home. Is that right? Uh, along the lines of, um, well, yeah, at my uni, our terms are a bit out of sync to everybody else. So my Easter break was two weeks early. So I spoke to, because I was also working down there and um, my work let me go home for two weeks, um, let me enjoy my Easter break. But also coronavirus was kind of rising, but it wasn't at the point. So two weeks have gone by. Um, the I found out on my last day at work there that um, my uni was going to close for online classes. And two weeks had kind of passed um Boris Johnson had had announced lockdown and in the same day I got an email from my accommodation saying look we'll waive the last term's rent if you move out before next term starts and this was the same day that lockdown was announced so the next day we just had to bolt down to London and move all my stuff out 
okay, yes, I had a similar sort of experience, but I mean, um, that was actually quite good for them to offer that from the beginning. Some of the others held back quite a lot, I think, in the accommodation things. So, so um, yeah, it's, um, it was kind of lucky because uh, this the because I'm at kind of like a small college. I'm not at a mainstream uni, so I had to go to kind of an, a, a private accommodation. Um, it's kind of posh, but it's, it's not. But, um, it's, it's they're essentially a charity, pretty much. So um, they were kind of um bit more relaxed about it well also you're pretty lucky living in london that's almost impossible for students in many ways isn't it i mean it's mm. so expensive for anyone and even uh, for a student accommodation it's still going to be several times the price of staying in other places i know um someone who's uh, just going to uni for this year or coming year mm. and was looking at all the accommodation and found out i think the choice was between bristol and london and she really wants to go to london but it was like three times the cost to stay there I mean, yeah, the thing about um, London and its universities, there's a lot of places like mine that are just kind of not mainstream unis, but um, kind of college run, but do like um, the level of degrees, but don't have accommodation. So I guess there is quite a lot of student accommodation that is affordable because there's a lot of places like that. Excellent. Okay. So anyway, so you managed to get back home and obviously home for you is Hertfordshire, like <laughs> yeah. most of us. Um, and you, you live in quite a small village, which is out in the, so really out in the countryside. Uh, um, yeah, I'm kind of on the outside of Hitchin kind of way. Yeah. And obviously, um, does that have enough shops and things to keep you going? I mean, was it one of those things that you were able to survive locally? Because I think a lot of people have suddenly discovered all their local shops can actually <laughs> provide them with pretty much everything they need in terms of sort of food and so on, uh, in a way, you know, don't always have to drive 10 miles to your nearest supermarket. I mean, um, yeah, from where we are, um, our village is kind of literally in the middle of a square and in each corner is kind of like a major town. So I wouldn't say we're 10 miles away, we're more like five. So um, supermarkets for us aren't too bad. And we've always kind of got our food delivered to us anyway. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Oh, you managed to get delivery slots, did you? That's something that a lot of people had problems with. Many months apart, many weeks apart from each other, <laughs> definitely. But um, yes. no, we have been quite good at getting them. And so you've got on, obviously, um, you're back with your family. So um, have you all got on all right? I mean, I know that you don't need to tell me about the arguments. Everyone's had some <laughs> arguments, I'm sure. But basically, um, it's quite it's quite a good thing to get back to that sort of situation. And um, has it gone all right for you? Um yeah a couple of us are kind of wondering what to do with ourselves really um my dad in particular who bless him hasn't been able to go to work so. right so now did your university set, start providing online tutorials or online um lectures and so on um well actually beforehand and since they started they have been doing online courses and classes from the get-go and have offered that as a service so it's it's pretty good that they've um they've been doing it anyway and um, as a result of that, they've gone really smoothly. Okay, so so you continue for some weeks afterwards to still be basically getting some sort of teaching. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, what you're doing, you needed some um, equipment and so on to um, practice on. I suppose in many ways, did, did do you have you have things at home, don't you? I know you've probably got a whole studio. <laughs> well, um, yeah, obviously, for some students. Um, I'm kind of lucky I have got quite a good setup on my laptop um, that has let me get by in the lessons. But obviously the college provide a lot of hardware that um, we haven't had 
access to, which is annoying. That's a, that's a people into production they have like a massive um ssl desk solid state logic which is a oh, right yes industry standard um mixing desk and the module that i would have had um at university i, I think i would have had a chance to use it but um, fortunately that wasn't the case so isn't is there surely it must be a virtual one of those somewhere where you can kind of slide slide the sliders and turn the knobs and so on you know virtually oh yeah there's a lot of um companies who have um attempted to replicate and my teacher who's um quite uh into these um uh hardware desk um replications um has recommended a few um but you know they kind of obviously not as expensive as the desk itself but the software is still quite expensive to use because what i found is a lot of people i know obviously they, they haven't been able to go into work mm. um for as you know and then um they've started working from home and it's been a bit of a joke oh well i can work from home and so on <laughs> but they then discovered actually they really can and there's so many more things they can do that they didn't realize they could do and so the the main conversation that i've had now with lots of people is they're saying well theoretically now we can go back to work in london we can go on the train and so on do I really want to go and spend an hour and a half on the train every day each way, uh, you know, with all these other sweaty people and then going into an office, which, of course, has got to be um, especially socially distanced and all the rest of it. So yes. You can't all go there anyway. And really, I think there's going to be quite a big um, argument going on, possibly a discussion, let's call it, with <laughs> an awful lot of employers and employees saying, well, look, I managed for three months you know, I did all this work and, you know, I did most of the things I can do in London, if not everything. Why do I ever need to come back? And uh, I think it's going to be quite interesting. Yeah, I agree. Um, now we, we're kind of learning because I guess the method has kind of been denied for quite a while now. And um, now we've kind of been forced to um, uh, accept and try it and um who knows i've definitely with them i've got some family who work for like mainstream banks and stuff and they've especially adapted quite well with working at home um so maybe with the bigger companies yes but um the smaller ones uh who knows well that's right i mean i know to be working with the small companies who're doing as well but also i mean in sort of normal interactions i have to phone up people like a insurance company or something mm. and always then it's very quiet in talking to someone they answer the phone straight away none of that all our operators are terribly busy and we're you're really important to us please hang on a minute and 10 15 minutes later you're still hanging on none of that's happening people are really answering the phone straight away and they're always at home and i started asking everyone it's very quiet there you must be at home oh yes i'm at home but i've got two dogs sitting on my feet or something like that (laughs) um yeah so it is interesting i think it is going to change things and i suppose the most obvious thing that's going to happen is going to be lots of empty offices Mm. Um, would be my guess, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, I know several people who were told absolutely before they couldn't possibly ever work from home, just not not possible at all. And they've been doing it quite happily now for three months. Yeah, um, well, I mean, on the side, I, I work in warehousing, um, basically, which obviously I, I have to go in. But um, on the last kind of two weeks, uh, um, I went there. It wasn't. It was an empty office, and it was very quiet. Well, I know several people who've taken up jobs during the lockdown in warehouses, particularly ones with um, a A in front, and also they um, they've been working with robots. Have you been working with robots? Oh God, no. Um, I worked for, I worked for quite a small company in London. I worked as um, a uh, 
a music distributor so they kind of sent out vinyl records and tapes which I'm kind of surprised they still do to be honest but um so yeah it's still kind of a case of have to go around and pick it all ourselves all right okay well it's just you haven't caught up with the 21st century, obviously. Well, but um, it's, it's a small play. It's a small world. Yeah, yeah. No, I've been <laughs> been very interested to hear the stories about the sort of robots because they, they can stretch up like 40 feet into the air to pick things off the shelves. I was going to say, don't need forklifts anymore. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. Well, it's a sort of robotic forklift. Anyway, yeah. Okay, so that that's quite good. And so, um, obviously, you will be going back to... Uh, in London, obviously, for, for learning. You can't really do everything at home. But um, have you had any indication yet when you will be able to go back? Um, well, September seems quite hopeful. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> and were there, were there sort of exams that you were due to do at the moment, which perhaps you haven't been able to? Uh, no, we don't really get assessed that way. It's um, uh, it's kind of it's more coursework based. Yeah, I'll get that. Mm. And what what sort of ambitions do you have then for when you when you've qualified? Um, what sort of job are you looking at? Not not a warehouse, I imagine. <laughs> um, well, since kind of going to uni, I've discovered a lot more things um, that are kind of possible for me. I've obviously, if I can get a hang of the the songwriting and stuff, I'd love to become a producer artist. Um, I DJ a bit on the side, um, so to kind of be a producer DJ would be nice. But um, I've gotten very into mixing as I've um, uh, gone to uni and I've had the opportunity to kind of mix for my peers as well. And um, recently I've had some tracks that have done quite well for them, which has felt really good to be a part of. Um, yeah. <coughs> Sorry. Oh, hey, that sounds, that sounds pretty exciting. I mean, mm. obviously one of the industries that's been completely clobbered um, <laughs> over this time is the sort of live music venues and yeah. live shows and things. I mean, as you know, at Radio Veronum, we get very involved in all sorts of events during the year. Mm. I've got them all in my diary and my, my calendar keeps popping up and saying, oh, don't forget, it's such and such this weekend. I think, no, it isn't. It's been cancelled because <laughs> um, every single thing has been cancelled. We, we've done a couple of virtual events. We did a virtual awards ceremony, actually, at the beginning of this lockdown mm. because we most of the organisation had already been done. So we were able to um, uh, interview all the people involved and do them one at a time like this and then put them all together. And we made a programme which was basically announcing the winners, which was good because it was actually only announced on the programme. Everyone had to wait till then. Uh, but music venues, obviously, we haven't had any of those things going on this time. And I can't see those coming back for a long time, really. I suppose next summer is most likely. Um, you know, we've, we do these big events at Christmas, for example. It'd be nice to think we can do them this Christmas, but I'm not really sure we're going to have sort of 20,000 people in the middle of St Albans or something like that uh, for uh, Christmas events like we normally have. Yeah, I mean, it is um, a shame. Like, um, my boyfriend, he works, um, he's a sound engineer for the Premier League and he's a sound engineer for empty events. So I think you've worked with a couple of times. Um, yeah. And uh, so, obviously work for that is really hard to come by well obviously it's non-existent at the moment i suppose Pretty much, um, yeah 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 and unfortunately of course it's the summer when most of these things happen and the whole music industry even even the big artists they actually make most of their money these days from um live events rather than downloads because they don't presumably get very much money individual downloads yeah that's what we've actually um been learning about yeah live music is kind of the um the best way for artists to make money nowadays because with them um, selling records and uh, there's so many cuts and um, splits that have to go to other people so um, a lot of talk about live uh, 
or artists really struggling with this. <clears throat> well, it is obviously so much better if you go into a, an event with a live uh, performance there. It's obviously much better than any other way of experiencing that music, isn't it? Mm. Um, the, one I, the one I particularly miss, which is up, up your way, um, <laughs> the Meraki Festival, which has been um, on in August every year for the last four years. Of mm. course, that's not happening this year, but I've been to the, the previous ones of those. It's been fantastic having a good lineup of um, well-known artists, often from the 70s and 80s, rather than mm. the current ones. They can't afford to get Taylor Swift along, for instance. But, um, <laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, quite so. Actually, it was interesting talking to the organiser. She gave me um, not quite a price list, but to find out how much people would uh, expect to be paid for like one hour performances. And there's one very well known singer, and I was told it was £400,000 for an hour. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It's artist's biggest moneymaker. This is the thing. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, but obviously. If they can charge that, they obviously do, and they do get paid that by people for these really big events. Well, it's the it's the it's the keyword record deals. That's the kind of the only bit within an artist that a record deal doesn't really have a lot of involvement in, which is why there's a lot less cuts, as in splits to to the record label because they would usually get like over half. So yeah, I love that you call it records because obviously <laughs> records are fairly unusual these days. Yes. Although, as you say, that they are they are still going, and people are paying buying vinyl. But last time I looked, I mean, vinyl albums were something like thirty pounds a go, which I thought was a bit expensive. Yeah, well, there's ways that um people are kind of making them a bit more valuable, so that you can get a free download with the vinyl. Um, there's um posters and merchandise within it. Um, a modern artist who has done quite well with vinyl is um George Ezra, um, a local artist from Hartford, who's obviously had number one albums now um he was in he had quite a large majority of his albums that were sold that were vinyl which is quite interesting right okay well i mean it is fun and i i was at a, another radio station a few months ago obviously before everything um, locked down and i was quite interested to see in their studio they actually had two um vinyl players mm. well i'd call them record players so i call them record players um or, or decks and um they said they did several programs where they did actually use those because people thought it sounded better one of those things i, I bet you've had that argument in college haven't you oh absolutely yeah it's um you know it's about <laughs> the keyword warmth some kind of warmth or uh that people feel um towards it tactile hardware it's just and <laughs> some people are just obsessed right well obviously the, when you had a, a 12 inch album you had obviously the, the sleeve with a big photo on it or or images mm. which was quite um good and obviously a good way of sort of promoting the album anyway you had sleeve notes which obviously were could be replicated now you know electronically but you probably it doesn't have the same sort of feel and then they designed these things that folded out in strange ways and all the rest of it it was a whole sort of industry in itself designing album covers and the inserts and all the rest of it so i suppose that's all as you say it's all very tactile and sort of bit equivalent you know undoing your new iphone you have to open the box in a certain way <laughs> lift these things out and take the sleeve off it I personally same... won't say I'm that obsessed with that, but um, no, I definitely no, no, get what but, you mean. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I didn't really understand it until I saw the whole uh, armies of videos on YouTube of unpacking your new iPhone, you know, unboxing, they call it, don't they? Unboxing. Uh, and, um, it's a so, sign of my yeah. generation that I'm not really... <laughs> 
enjoyed to be affiliated with, really. I find it all no, a bit no. sad. And obviously, <laughs> it means that when you've undone this and taken your phone out and set your phone up, you have to put the box away in a certain um, way, in the right order, and presumably keep it somewhere on, on a mantle, you know, on a shelf as a sort of object of art in itself. <laughs> I, yeah, like I said, I find it all a bit silly to um, <laughs> memorialise um phone that much well, oh no no you don't get it obviously oh that's amazing <laughs> i mean i think the thing i was going to say about um sound and particularly the argument which has been going on forever about the, the actual um sound quality of the audio from a, a, a vinyl disc which obviously was analog um so it was just sort of the <clears throat> needle as we call it which isn't really a needle it's basically sort of moving physically and that's what creates the uh, sound mm. Um, it wasn't just that. You also plugged it into uh, a separate amplifier in what we called hi-fis. Mm. We had big speakers. And I've still got some speakers, which I bought in the 1970s, which had 12-inch uh, main speakers and two or three other little ones in it. And, I mean, really, I could turn those up to a couple of hundred watts in each speaker, um, which I don't do because all my neighbours for about 20 miles probably complain. <laughs> um, but basically... Uh, that's the, what we're talking about. And obviously they're, they're wooden boxes and so on. So the sound is really very, very good uh, in that sense. And it's very warm. And I suppose, I don't know what other terms I can use to describe it. Basically, it's quite different from the sound of CDs and then obviously MP3s. And I've been disappointed. I mean, MP3s are basically a, a worse um, sound quality than um, CDs, aren't they? I mean, the sampling rates are almost much lower. Um, technical yeah. sorry no 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 it's okay it's just um especially in my music industry module we just learned a lot about the mp3 and how kind of um the value of it wasn't really that much because it kind of stemmed the whole um the piracy that you saw in the um early noughties and everything which is what we learned about which is why we kind of have streaming services as we do today but um no in terms of possibility and kind of how people wanted to listen to music it was fantastic but in like the argument of audio it's um it just doesn't seem to compare well also the big thing obviously in the sort of 70s and 80s was stereo and then surround sound which didn't really take off properly although it, it does now for sort of tv and watching movies in, in home you've got five or six speakers or whatever um but the other thing that gets me these days and it's your generation i have to go at for this <laughs> when i see people walking along with with one earpiece in and the other one hanging down <laughs> listening to music it really i think they're missing out they're not getting the stereo sound and obviously they don't care perhaps they don't understand i mean i'm sure you do because you're working in this business as it were but mm. it seems to me they're really missing out because i remember the first time i I was listening to a radio. It was actually in Germany. It's a friend of mine said, oh, I've got this new sort of hi-fi radio and they're broadcasting it in stereo. And I thought, oh, what's that mean? And he gave me a pair of headphones and turned it on and it was a sort of orchestral music piece. And I thought, wow, you close your eyes and you could sort of see or envisage the orchestra in front of you. You could hear that the drum was over that side or the you know, violins were this side, that sort of thing. And it builds this sort of um, picture in your in your mind of the sort of spatial distance, what's it called, spatial awareness, I suppose is the phrase. Um, and that was really quite a revelation at the time. And that, that was probably in the late 70s. Yeah, probably something newer that has come around um, nowadays. It's um, it's kind of died out a bit more as a fad, as everything seems to. Nowadays, nothing really tends to last more than uh, a week or so when it comes to trend. But there's this thing called eight-dimensional audio. I don't know if you've um, heard of that or eight. come across 8D audio. 
No, I haven't come across that one. I've seen 4D and 4Ks and all those things, but yes. Well, yeah, um, okay. I don't know how... I think it's quite an easy trick. I, I don't know if 8D is a bit of an exaggeration, but um, it's just somehow you get a mixture of the a regular stereo image of a song, but I guess somehow you kind of duplicate it and you have this other one that's kind of moving side to side. So you have... <laughs> the, the, the the music in the middle of the field and this other one kind of moving around you moving side to side and my dad walked in the other day saying there's these special headphones that you can get 8d audio on and i just pulled up a youtube video i was like no you can get it on anything just watch this video <laughs> well that's the effect you're describing sounds pretty similar to drinking about three pints of beer to me <laughs> i was gonna say it's so trippy it's really strange but um Oh, it was it was a Pink Floyd song that um, I played through. I can't remember what it's called for the life of me. Um, it right. wasn't. It might have been a Dark Side of the Moon song, or it might have been a bit earlier. But um, no, Pink wow, Floyd. So you're to, yeah, you're listening to sixties and seventies rock music as well. Uh, well, my dad was obviously um, a very big fan of it. Um, oh. He loves Pink Floyd and Dire Straits, and he had a lot of CDs in the car that I enjoyed listening to. And um, just something about like. He would pick me up from, let's say, swimming, for example, and we would drive back to Kimpton and usually in the middle of nowhere, driving through like a field, just being in that like really large outdoor space with the really spacey music of Pink Floyd. It was just, I was really in tune just with everything around me when I heard it. <clears throat> oh, do you see, that's another one of these people. You pick up your music taste from your parents. That's astonishing. <laughs> well, you know, as you know i appreciate definitely um the documentaries of how they made them as um someone who works in audio as um is very interesting to me as well yeah well they were still using uh, magnetic tape presumably reel to reel tape machines yeah and they were they also were quite known for experimenting with um synthesizers as well yeah but it was sort of a multiple track thing they had to do and they had to do line them up manually to, oh, to put, the, put the sounds together, yeah. I mean, well, it's the Abbey Road type things and the Beatles um, making eight-track recordings was one of the originals, original ones, and, and Pink Floyd was sort of about the same time. Mm. I don't know if they were Abbey Road, but that was where all these experiments happened. But you, you have bits of tape hanging up on the wall, and they go and take another one and put it alongside and then try and match them manually. That's why it took them months and months to make anything, I suppose. Yeah. Anyway, well, look, um, Hannah, I think we're running out of time now, but um, thank you very much for that. So I'm glad to hear you're nice and lively and all the rest of it, because some people have been a bit depressed over this period. Oh, God. And obviously you've come through all right there. But I suppose the sort of thing you're doing and interesting in, you can you can do it at home as well, because you've got your uh, computer at home to do a lot of this stuff. Yes. <clears throat> OK, so um, anyway, well, good luck with the rest of your um teaching or so you're learning at university i'm sure if you I hope you do manage to get back september i'm certainly i mean my daughter's the same age as you so she's expecting to go back then but um they've already said many of the lectures will still be online mm. so i'm not sure where there's much point in being there is it if they're doing that anyway but we shall see we will see well um yeah thanks a lot for having me okay. Thank you. Okay. And uh, right. Well, uh, I hope we'll see you again sometime soon. We'll literally see you perhaps sometime. And, That'd be uh, great. <laughs> we'll welcome you, obviously, next time we're doing something outside in Radio Verulam, but I guess that's going to be next year now. Yes. <laughs> right, anyway, well, thank you, for thank you for listening to this podcast. And don't forget, you can find all the podcasts from Radio Verulam on radioverulam.com.